Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 295th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy! Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to him, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for a big matchup in the Queen City, Jumpman Invitational, number 11, North Carolina, number 7, Oklahoma, will meet in the second annual uh, Jumpman Classic at the Spectrum Center, and yours truly going to be on site for the game. Going to co- I, I won't. Going to cover the game for the radio station I work at, WFNZ. Um, Selfish. Kind of, uh, you know, bucket list type of item. Grew up wanting to cover the sport, cover the team that I love. And uh, done some different things, been at media days, uh, but never got to cover a game as a member of the media. Um, and that'll happen um, this Wednesday And what's a very important game um, for Carolina. I got two discussion topics I want to go over. We're going to break down the Sooners, look at this game from the Carolina perspective, keys to the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day, and we go to the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Uh, and his quote is, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. If I had to ask you one fundamental er- uh, area Carolina needs to improve the most, what would that be? Rebounding. Rebounding. And, <laughs> you know, I think it's I think it's amazing whenever you get to the tournament and you're watching teams play in the second weekend, the Final Four, or that holy Monday night when those two teams play for a national championship. of the time. I thought you broke. Those teams are very, very good rebounding teams. 
Um, it's been very few and far between. I have watched bad rebounding teams advance deep in the tournament, play for a national championship, let alone win a national championship. Um, and after the performance against Kentucky on Saturday, four days in between games, you would have to imagine that that is something that's still being emphasized, hammered down, communicated um, in practice. I'm sure it'll be a big talking point if Hubert Davis uh, is to meet with the media before the game. Um, And, of course, during the game, it's going to be something that we're all going to be sitting here keeping our eyes on because, you know, Roy Williams always said it always looks better when the ball goes in the basket, and he's right because you, to to score you've got to put the ball in the basket. It also looks better when you rebound the thing, um, and Carolina just hasn't done that to the level that we're accustomed to, and to the level that frankly they need to um, to be the type of team that uh, we want them to be and what we expect them to be um, this season. Let's now get into our two discussion topics, and they're kind of on the opposite ends of one another, which I think make for, well, great discussion. Um, Carolina 7-3, and three, ranked number 11 in the AP poll, um, going up against this undefeated Oklahoma team that Porter Mosier has done a, just a fantastic job down in Norman. Of course, if you're, if you're a big college basketball guy, you know he's the guy that was the coach at Loyola Chicago that um, took the Ramblers to the Final Four in 2000 and 2018. They made the Final Four. Yep. Um, and then they made a, a you know a, a, another significant tournament run um, during the COVID tournament. I believe that was the year they made a, their, their their pretty deep run. So this is a guy that's done it on the big stage um, at a small university. Now he's on the big stage at a Big Twelve school with some basketball history, um, and they're moving to the SEC next year. And we've all seen how good the, that league has come as a basketball conference. But given where the Carolina team is, and really just where this fan base is there's no denying this is a big game for carolina Mm -hmm. two top 11 teams neutral floor in charlotte um but is this is this a must win man that's you know what that's a great question i wouldn't i don't know i don't know if it's a must win because i don't think if they lose another close game the season is over but I do feel like this is a this this is one that would be really really big. I feel like this is one that you really need. It's not a must win, but you really need it. Um I think really the thing is is that at that point you can cut out the narrative of Carolina hasn't won a big game. You will have beaten an undefeated power conference team that will be ranked inside of the top 10. So at that, I mean, you, you, and you did it in a neutral site. Now, people will probably try to say, well, it's in Charlotte. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's still a neutral site game. Um, we've talked about the struggles that Armando Baycott has had away from home. If he plays well in this game, that's a big plus for you. It's it's a very, very important game because you do not want to go in having lost three straight games when you start conference play because we talked about it the start to conference play not the easiest start that Carolina has ever had to begin conference play it's not the most difficult 
but it's against, you know, a couple of teams that Carolina struggled against recently, and it's against a Clemson team that is off to a really good start to their season. So this is one that it feels like Carolina really wants to have to sort of quiet any of the people that are saying that the start is fabricated and show that they can start to learn from the games that they've lost early in the season and go from what I talked about when I or what I said when I tweeted after the game go from being that good team that we've seen so far this year to potentially being that great team that you need to make that deep run in the tournament that we both boldly predicted they would do at the start of the season. Yeah, if you go back to this event last year, Carolina faced Michigan, must win. Like Carolina needed that to get their season going in the in the right direction. Um, I, to me, like if Carolina loses and it's like it was to – Villanova, like it was to Kentucky, you lose by a possession or two. It's one of those where you're you're disappointed in the result, but you understand that you get a couple bounces to go your way. You you win the game. If it looks more like UConn, where you get overwhelmed in one specific area, then I do think the concerns that exist around this team would continue to grow. But I still think you look at you still like where Carolina is entering the end of non-conference play. They got the Charleston Southern game after the after the holiday, and then from there it's 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 full blown uh, ACC play. Um, so therefore, it's not a must win, but this is a game that would feel really really good to go to Christmas break on having a win over an undefeated top ten opponent. Um, you know, would would do wonders for this team. You get another chance to you know catch your breath and and, and kind of reset um, with, with 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 the holiday. You know, right around the corner. Um, so to me, it, it's not a must win, but it it probably serves as a swing game. You win the game. Yep, good you, way to put it. You're you're you you probably feel like you're going to go on an upward trajectory and be in that conversation to win the ACC. You lose the game, maybe you're a team that is definitely still a tournament team, but maybe not the type of tournament team we thought you were two weeks ago or the type of tournament team that their AP poll rank would suggest. Over the last 20 years, when the NCAA tournament has been held, in week six of the AP poll, more often than not, the national champion has been ranked inside the top 12. Mm-hmm. Last week was week six of the AP poll. Um, Carolina was ranked ninth. This is week seven of the AP poll. Thanks for clearing that up for us. Yep. Carolina is ranked 11th. Okay. So even a yep. week later, they meet the criteria to fit the mold of what past national champions of the 20-year meet, which is being ranked inside the top 12. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable saying that even at seven and three, and even after back-to-back losses, this team is capable of competing for and winning a national championship? Yes, yeah, I still am because I, I, I've said this. I said it on the last edition of the podcast, and I truly believe it. I think right now, 
you've got one of the two best players in college basketball. Because I think that's where R.J. Davis is at at this point. The way he's playing, 26 or more points in six straight games, I think him and Zach Eady are probably the two best players in college basketball right now. His ability to take over games down the stretch, so far there have been some games where it hasn't been enough for Carolina, but you feel like, I mean, I don't know how many teams you're going to face the rest of the way that are as good as UConn and Kentucky. And the thing is, the team that you're probably going to face that's that good the rest of the way is Duke, and you've got a while before you play those games. That'll allow you to grow as a team, hopefully into a group that can handle closing late against a team of that caliber. Um, I, I think you look at the way RJ's playing. We've talked about how big Harrison Ingram has been and how he has uh, uh, you know overachieved so far this year. Cormac Ryan, you're hoping that that week off, that those 10 days off, really allow him to get fully healthy again or as close to fully healthy as, as he can possibly get. And I think that probably will afford him that chance. And, you know, I I still think Armando Baycott, at some point, it's going to click for him that this is this is it. This there's there's no chance for you to come back another year, and that it's time to turn it on. So for that reason, I think Carolina has got four different guys on this team that can take over games just about any given night. The way they've played offensively so far to this point in the season shows that this is a team that's capable of competing for and potentially winning a national championship. It's really all going to come down to can they find a way to mask some of their issues rebounding and defensive-wise. If they can then I think that they're still in there. But yeah, I think they're I think they're still in that conversation at this point of the year. I mean, I think the only way that answer changes is, is if you don't believe that their ceiling is the final four. And you know, like in this sport we we make predictions. I think college basketball is as difficult because you don't have a 68-team bracket sitting in front of your face in the preseason. Mhm. That that that's this team's ceiling is to make the Final Four, and have a chance to play for a national title. Um, I still sit here and I and I think those things are possible. Um, you know, look, there are areas that definitely got to get cleaned up on. You've got to improve, but you, you know, you you look at recent teams that have made the Final Four. They had issues that they masked, that they overcame, um, and, and you've got the one thing that you you need to have in March to give yourself a chance, which is a ball-dominant guard, and you have that in R.J. Davis. So I think as long as Carolina continues to show the fight, the effort, the hustle, they get closer and closer to competing for 40 minutes, they get their rotations more fine-tuned, I'd imagine they take a step or two defensively. Um, you'd imagine they get closer to their true rebounding potential than what you've seen so far. And you haven't even shot the ball well, and you've been one of the better offenses in the country. Mm -hmm. All these things are still possible. I think this game could go a long way to maybe furthering your belief or or, or, or your non-belief. Like if Carolina comes out and beats a really good Oklahoma team, okay, now you've got two wins. 
over you know some really good ranked opponents. Um, you, you know, on, on on a neutral floor, you factor in the win over Tennessee. Like, but if you come out here and you get beat, and it's a close game on a neutral court, well, guess what? So we're in NCAA tournament games. They're played on neutral courts, so it might make you harder to believe that when this team has to go, you know, to whatever various city that the NCAA sends them to, it's going to be difficult for them to come away victorious. So, um, just some fun general conversations around the team um, as we get ready for the game with uh, with Oklahoma. Um, and as I mentioned, the Sooners are undefeated. They're 10-0, and they're ranked 7th in the AP poll. Um, and they've got some wins over, you know, at the time it was a ranked USC team. They've beaten Arkansas. It's the same team that Carolina's beaten, so they've got a win over a common opponent. Um, they've beaten Iowa, and they've beaten Providence. So they're not the best. They're not the best teams, but these are programs that generally compete for spots in the NCAA tournament, um, and it validates a lot of where the the the, the Sooners are right now. Um, they have three players averaging double figure scoring, led by. Otega away, which I'm a, I'm going to go on a limb and say that's not how you say his name. Um, and after that, we will correct it when we hear it properly pronounced on Wednesday night. But he's averaging 14.9 points, four rebounds, 1.1 assist. <laughs> he's shooting 67% from the field and 75% from three. It's not bad. Um, their second leading scorer, JVN uh, McCollum's 14.3 points, 2.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 46% shooting from the field, 36% from three. And then John Hewley, the fourth, the pit transfer. We've seen him in ACC country. 10.8 points, 5.4 rebounds, 1.2 assists, uh, shooting 63% from the field, 54% from three. Um, they've got six players that average at least eight points per game. And teams are shooting just 26 uh, percent from behind the arc. That's the sixth best uh, number in the country, and they are allowing just 61.3 points per game, which is 14th fewest in the country. And if you go back and you watch the style of play that those Loyola teams played with, you know, with Crutwig and those guys, Custer that went on that run to the Final Four, and then they're running the Sweet 16 a few years later. They've now gotten that brand of basketball here in Norman, where it's really, really good defense, especially in the half court, and it's efficient, high-level basketball with a team concept. Um, you know, yes, you've got three guys averaging double figures. You've got two guys averaging over 14. But six guys averaging eight points per game or more, they're not as explosive as Kentucky. They score it differently than Kentucky. But like Kentucky, they pull they pose another challenge for Carolina's defense. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they're scoring at a high level. Um, and, and yeah, Carolina's got to find a way. This is going to be a game where your your main, the, the their best player, their main scorer, is going to want to get downhill. Because, yeah, he's shooting 75% from beyond the arc, which is ridiculous. He's taken 12 threes the entire year. So it's not like that's something that he goes to a lot. 
So yeah, I mean that's been a that that's been something that Carolina has struggled with so far this year, um, in multiple different ways. They've had moments where they just let guys get to the lane and either draw fouls or finish at the basket. There's other times, especially here lately, where Carolina has allowed the dribble drive penetration and it leads to a kick out for a three. So they they've got to they've got to be able to stop the ball in this game, and they've got to find a way to not have to use the full-court press. That's the thing. I don't mind them using the full-court press. It's worked out very well. But the the fact of the matter is, that cannot be the only way that you stop teams on that end of the floor. You've got to find a way to consistently get stops against teams when they're in the half court. They forced 14 turnovers against Kentucky the other day. But it still wasn't good enough because when you weren't forcing turnovers, it was rare that you were forcing misses. It felt like every time that Kentucky needed a big basket, they were able to get it. So Carolina, I mean, that's the thing. Can you find a way against this team? Now, I will say this. This is very easily the toughest test that Oklahoma has faced so far this year. Whereas, you look at the other teams, it was not the toughest test that UConn had faced the entire season, and it was not the toughest test that Kentucky had faced the entire season. So, they were ba- they were pretty battle-tested coming in. Oklahoma, I mean, look, they are undefeated. They've got a win over a ranked team at one time, although... <laughs> I mean, Southern Cal is not... I mean, they are, what, 5-5 five and five now after losing to Auburn the other day? Like, they are far from a ranked team at this point. Um, they've, they've got some decent wins on the resume, as you said, against tournament teams, but this is a whole new beast. Going into technically a neutral site game, but a game in Charlotte that's in Carolina's backyard um, and and having to face them, it's it's going to be a pretty tough game for them. So I like Carolina's chances in this game matching up, of being able to potentially slow this group down uh, with the combination of the crowd, the stage that that team's going to be on. But they really, I mean, at, at this point, <laughs> they're they're where we're at with some of the other programs in, in in throughout Carolina athletics defensively. You gotta show me for me to believe that you're going to be able to stop somebody in the half court defensively. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the thing is is that um, their defensive struggles are real, like they exist, but they, their numbers were always going to be inflated because they're they're playing faster. It's not like in years past where Carolina hasn't ran the way that they're running, and they were giving up 75, 80 points a night. Like the one it, thing I will say, though, is look at the pace the last few games where they've been trying. I mean, they have not been playing as fast as they were early in the season, and they're still struggling defensively. Yeah, I mean, you're also playing against elite offensive teams. Um, and Oklahoma, in their own ways, they're not as elite as Kentucky, UConn, but they're, they're this is a team that can score it. And, you know, so if, if Carolina finds themselves in a high-scoring game, doesn't necessarily mean they're not playing well on that end of the court. But if it's a high-scoring game in a low-possession game where both teams are scoring, you know, 1.6 points per possession or something like that, then you look at it and say, okay, you know, you're not seeing growth adjustments um, on that end of the court. When you look at this game from the Carolina perspective, come in, say, 
seven and three. Um, as we referenced earlier in the show, they're ranked eleventh in the AP poll. Um, but two and two against ranked teams, having beaten a Tennessee team that's still ranked. Um, and they beat Arkansas, who at the time was ranked down in the Battle for Atlantis. And they lost to UConn, who um, is probably the prohibitive favorite to win the national championship and repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kentucky, a team that, like Carolina, has Final Four aspirations despite having limitations on their own end. Um, this was a great stat from our good friend Isaac Shade, the guy that hosts the Locked on Heels um, podcast for the Locked on Network. Um, this game marks the first time in program history that Carolina will have played five ranked opponents in a six-game stretch, dating back to um, what you saw in that Arkansas game in the Battle for Atlantis. Um, then you saw then you saw uh, Tennessee, Florida State, the, non, the non-ranked team, and then UConn, Kentucky, and now the Sooners. So um, this is a battle-tested team, a seasoned team um, that, that that won't be surprised to be playing against another quality opponent. Um, Carolina currently has four guys averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, 21.6 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, shooting 44% from the field, 36% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team, 15.2 points, 11.3 rebounds. He's shooting 52% from the field. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 14.6 points, 6.2 boards, uh, 2.6 assists, 48% shooting from the field, 43% from three. And Cormac Ryan, the last guy. Um, in double-figure scoring, 11.4 points, 3 rebounds, 1.6 assists, shooting 38% from the field, 30% from 3. And the free-throw numbers continue to improve for Carolina. They're averaging making 21.2 foul shots per game. That's second most in the country. And they are attempting 27.9 free-throws per game. Those are fourth most in the country. I think the thing that you're looking at in this game from an individual standpoint um, is a, you know, what does R.J. Davis do again? Does you know, can he do it again? And then b, Carolina needs bounce back games, specifically from Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram. I got into a discourse with uh, Walker Mail. Shocking, shocking. You know, the host of the Wes and Walker show who, you know, because I was, I was saying, like, this team needs more from Ingram. And he references the box score where he's like, well, he scored 10 points against Kentucky and he had 20 or whatever it was against UConn. And I'm like, but it's taken 10, 12, 14 minutes for his impact to be felt. This is a guy that Carolina needs – out of the gate, ready to go. Because he's the X factor. He's the difference maker. Because we've seen when he's playing at a high level, even if RJ and Armando are doing their thing, when he gets to a different gear, this team is is different. Yes. Like, that's when you look at them and say, they can play for a national championship. Yeah, look, I agree. I agree with you to a certain extent. I will say this. I I think it's hard to criticize him for UConn. I thought UConn, he played pretty well. He he was, out, I mean, at times he was Carolina's best player. Um, this last game against Kentucky, yeah, I mean, again, if you're just looking at a box score, you would say, ah, 10 points, that's, that's pretty solid, right? That's okay. But you it you could just tell like the shots weren't falling for him he wasn't aggressive he's got to make the opponent feel him and make his presence known 
Well, the the thing that we didn't see from like him. Like that. Like, one of the things that he has done a great job of doing since the other big game that Carolina played and he sort of disappeared in, which was Villanova, he has used that back to the basket game. We didn't see that one time in the game against Kentucky. Yep. And that's a strength of his. That's something that teams have not been able to take away. And I don't understand why that wasn't more of a part of his game. Maybe it was the way that the game was being called. He was afraid that he was going to pick up an offensive foul. And Carolina really needed him. I, I don't I don't really know. But I think you're right that some of the game the, the games that Carolina has lost. It, there are times where he does go missing a little bit. Yep. And you can't really have that happen. Now, UConn, when you score 20 points, like, yeah, you're you're a guy that's contributing. It's hard to ask because, yeah, there's always going to be stretches of games where guys go missing. Hell, we've seen it from R.J. Davis at times. You talked about how it was a slow start for him to the game uh, against Kentucky. Um, that's also an element, though, of this team is that, yeah, they have gotten off to slower starts, especially in games like this. You would like to see them have a game. And, look, they don't have to be as good as they were against Tennessee. Tennessee. If they want to be, feel free. But we're not asking for that. But you would like to see this team start fast. Because what is the theme of these games that Carolina has played against ranked opponents so far this year? Villanova, slow start. Especially defensively. Arkansas, slow start. Trailing at halftime. UConn, slow st- slower start. Um and battle your way back in. Same thing with Kentucky. Like, you've got to get off to faster starts in these games. And even some of the other games that Carolina won, you know, came out, you know, in Atlantis with Northern Iowa. Like, that's a theme of this team. You want to see them get off to faster starts. I don't think it's a preparation thing. I think it's, you know, especially early on, we've seen it. Shots don't fall, and then guys sort of settle in as the game goes along. But in a, uh, against another team that can score, like Oklahoma can, you're going to have to get buckets early on and really get yourself in a little bit of a rhythm to give yourself some confidence. Let's take a look now at our keys to the game for Carolina-Oklahoma. Um, the first one is create transition opportunities. You look at the way that... Um, you know Oklahoma defends. You know they're 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 only allowing, as we mentioned, the the 14th fewest points in in, in the country at 61.3. They defend the three point line as well as any team Carolina has seen this season, um, right up there with the likes of the Florida State team we saw earlier this month. Carolina, despite you know losing on Saturday, scored 15 transition points. Mm-hmm. You know, typically that number leads to wins, especially in those types of games. Um, and you mentioned Carolina didn't it didn't they didn't run as much. The thing they did right on Saturday was they they ran when they had to, and they pushed when they had the opportunities to create the easy baskets. This feels like a game that Carolina's got to get an easy eight to twelve points, um, and not not make not have to work for every little thing in the half court. I think they can. Like Carolina's half court offense, despite not shooting the three ball well. Um, has been efficient because they get to the foul line, and that's the most efficient shot, you know, in 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 basketball. But you know, from looking at this game, you know, Oklahoma's, you know, point per game total would suggest that they want to run. They average over eighty four points per game. 
This team doesn't want to run with Carolina. I don't think they have the. I don't think they, they've got the depth. The horses. They don't have the athletes. I there think to, to to run with 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 Carolina for forty minutes. Right. Um, and so Carolina has got to, um, you know, speed the tempo up. Best way to do that, maybe bring out that full court press that we didn't we didn't see a whole lot on Saturday against the Wildcats. But to me, this feels like a game that if Carolina can manufacture an easy eight to twelve points in transition, it could open up the game and open up an alley for them to get a big time win. Well, you just want to speed things back up because I mean that's that's the way that Carolina is going to succeed against Kentucky. It was tough. Kentucky's a team that can play that style, especially as we saw when you turn it over. Um, but this is a team that, yeah, you're you're going to want to speed up a little bit, and let's see if they can handle the the the, the tempo. And look, that that's the thing, right? If you speed it up, and this team is matching you, you're making too many mistakes, whatever. You can always go back to okay, let's settle things down, let's run a little bit slower offense, and, and use the half court where we're still succeeding at a pretty decent rate. That is always a possibility. So I would like to see that for sure. The best way to do that, um, one, is rebound, but mainly it's create turnovers. And I also, one of the things that we saw earlier in the season, especially you go back to that game against Arkansas and where things really started to turn for Carolina, was they were running off of made baskets. You need to be able to do that in this game and really put the pressure on Oklahoma because I don't think they've run into a team that has the ability to run the floor the way that you do. That's really the area. I know he's a freshman. That's an area where Elliot Cadeau can succeed. That's when he's at his best is when he is playing fast and not necessarily having to think. So I would like to see Carolina employ it some more. Uh, it's hard to be confident that they are, though, with how uh, we haven't seen them use it as much here recently, although it's come against some really good opponents. The second key to the game is defend, defend, defend. Um, Oklahoma is going to move the ball. They're going to play inside out. They're going to swing it from side to side. And don't don't be afraid or don't be surprised if they if, if if they work the shot clock and make Carolina defend for a full you know twenty five to thirty seconds and really make them work. Um, that's why their field goal percentage is so high. They're shooting over fifty one percent from the field as a team because they're taking great shots. Um, I'm interested to see. What lineup adjustments Schubert Davis makes? Because Jalen, or not Jalen Withers, uh, Seth Trimble needs to play more. Mm-hmm. He impacts the game defensively um, as well as anybody on the team. Um, you know, there's there's some things that with the press that Caleb and Elliot do a really good job with. I think when Carolina's pressing, that's where Jalen Withers probably makes his biggest impact because, you know, he's being aggressive. He's using his length to impact passing lanes as opposed to getting beaten off the dribble every single time. But this has got to be um, uh, as as disciplined that Carolina has been so far this year. Like against UConn, you know, UConn's a team that, um, you know, was going to pose a challenge. They screen really well. They shoot it really well. The offensive rebounded really well. Kentucky, same thing. Shot it really good 
and just raced up and down the court. It was always going to be a challenge to keep them offensively in check. This is a this is a team that can score it. Many different guys can put the ball in the basket, but it's much more methodical. And Carolina's got to be committed to getting in a stance for and defend and defending for thirty seconds. Yeah, and I mean we talked about it. Their leading scorer is a guy that wants to get downhill. So to me, the biggest thing that you have to do in this game is take away the lane. Uh, don't allow them to drive by you so easy because that gets you scrambling. And this is not a team that can handle scrambling very well. The other thing, we talked about it when we were recapping the game uh, against Kentucky. This team cannot switch everything like they were doing the other day. It's just they're they're not a team. They've got some athletes. There's no doubt about that. But they're not a team that can handle switching everything. It's just it's not possible at this point. It doesn't help you with the third key to the game that we'll talk about in a minute here with rebounding. So Carolina's got to be smart about how they switch things. I would love – there's two things I'd love to see. You've talked so much about – using the 2-3 zone. Would love to see them actually pull it out. Don't remind me of that. Don't think it's going to happen in this game. But if you were going to go to it, why not throw it out against a team in Oklahoma that probably hasn't seen it that much? The other thing is, is you didn't use it much in the last game, and it makes a little bit of sense. Oklahoma's, or uh, excuse me, Kentucky's a team that likes to play fast. They've got the athletes to be able to handle the full-court press. Oklahoma... Not trying to take any credit away from what they've done so far this year, the players that are on this team. I don't know if they're a team that can handle you full court pressing, especially if you throw it at them early in the game. That's what I want to see. I, you you said you know some of the thing I, I forget what you were talking about earlier that you wanted to see more often when Carolina is still in games as opposed to waiting until you absolutely have to use it. This is one of those things where, man, if, if if you employ it early in the game, and again, I've said this multiple times this year when we've talked about it, when you go to it, it doesn't mean, okay, now we have to full-court press the rest of the game. You can go to it and then say, okay, we, we did it for a few possessions. We created a couple of turnovers. Our guys are getting a little worn out here, though. Okay, we're not we're not going to keep uh, keep going with that. We've gotten the run that we want, and now you know we'll go into defending in the half court again. It could also give you a little bit of confidence defensively, seeing that you were able to get stops through that, and maybe it, tran- it translates into your half court defense. That's what I want to see this team do: get creative, and that you know part of that is coaching. The other part of it, though, is guys just simply have to be able to defend. Their man. If you can't do it, then you're going to be in another track meet. And look, Oklahoma's a team that can score at a high level. They're not going to be afraid of getting into a track meet. Frankly, that's probably what they want to do. So if you can find a way to slow them down at all, it sets you up with a great chance to win this game. The last key to the game, rebound, rebound, rebound. Rebound. Uh, if if I gotta Four come on, if I gotta I don't even care if it's a winning recap if I gotta come on here and talk about Carolina getting out rebounded by ten, including uh, eighteen to six on the offensive no. glass, I'm gonna have an aneurysm. Um, Oof, you know this this is something where this is like Kentucky. This is a trench game. It's a grown man game. This is bring your jock strap. And be ready to go. Get 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 a body on somebody. Get your hip into them. Get that position and rebound. 
rebound the crap out of the basketball. Um, and, and this is, I think this is going to be a game that we talked about how much this is a swing game. I think you're going to see, okay, does Carolina re reassert itself in that area? Are they crashing more guys to the offensive glass? We watched UConn send five guys to both glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's the perfect example of like, dude, you can be relentless on both ends. Um, and, and look, this is a, a, a solid Oklahoma rebounding team. I don't think they're they're not the presence that uh, UConn was and. I, I, I underestimated how good Kentucky was on the glass. Their their size and athleticism was better than what I thought it was going in, which makes me an idiot because that's Kentucky. They've got dudes. But um, this needs to be a game that, first off, Armando Baycott asserts himself as the pain is his area. Six rebounds is not going to get the job done. But other guys need to get to the glass, make an impact in that game because outside of shot making, this is the most important aspect of the game. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you might even be downplaying Oklahoma's rebounding. I mean, they're averaging 39.7 a game, which is a little bit better than Kentucky was coming in. Um, the bigger thing is, is that so far this season, opponents against them are averaging 29.7 per game, which is the 12th fewest in the country. And defensive rebounding, they are uh, allowing just 20 rebounds per game, which is fifth fewest in the country pretty solid offensive rebounding team too so this is I mean Carolina's got to know going in this is not a step down from the teams that you played rebounding wise these these I mean they're right in the same area that UConn and Kentucky were so I mean this is just commitment to it you've got to be able to rebound look John Hughley guy that Armando has faced before, guy that Armando had some pretty decent success against, you've got to be able to handle this dude in this game. He's not the reason why they're rebounding that well. It's a collective effort, and that's the thing. If everybody else can do it around the country, so can you guys. You've got to have other guys step up, though. It's got to be some of the bench guys, too, that step up and rebound, mainly Jalen Withers. Like, you're one of the bigger players, and you can't rebound at all, really. Like, that's got to be a guy that steps up. You need Harrison Ingram to be that guy that was getting, you know, double-doubles earlier in the season. This is one of those games where you need that Harrison Ingram to show up. You need Cormac Ryan to give you something on the glass. Those are the things that Carolina needs to see in this game. But again, I talked about it defensively. I I think this is something that you you really have to see this team do it before you can be that confident that they're going to do it. We've seen it at times from them this year, but this is one of those games where you could really use a vintage performance from Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram being the guy that can get a double-double on the glass. Carolina enters with a 52.8% chance to win the game, according to ESPN Analytics. I'll go first because... uh, You're selfish. Okay. My podcast, and I'll be there in person watching and covering the game. I I think Carolina God, wins. you're a horrible person. Just rubbing uh, it in over there. I think you're going to see an emotional team, um, an inspired team, um, coming off 
You know, this is the first game that they'll be on the court since we learned of the the, the, the passing of Eric Montross. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think there will be just a different energy, a different vibe, because you know that the head coach is, is going to be emotional. Yes. Because he'll like he'll know for now, for every time he goes and does his pregame interview with Jones Angel or his postgame interview with Jones Angel, that he won't be rejoining, you know, Eric Montross on the sidelines while he covers the game. I think that'll be a message that's sent across to basically say, look, you got to play every game like it's your last to live every day, every uh, live every day like it's your last. And I think, I think Carolina knows how important this game is. Not that the other two weren't important, but when this stretch was really shaping up to be what it was becoming with, you know, five ranked teams and, you know, in six games or whatever, like, you know, it, it was really adding to um, the pressure to win. And Carolina was never going to go 5-0. and um, You know, I think we would have been ecstatic with 4-1, four and, four and one. You'll take three and two, but you got to get this one to finish three and two on that on 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 that run of games. And mm-hmm. so I think Carolina bounces back. I think you see the type of performances you're you're used to seeing from Armando Baycott. I think R.J. Davis continues his All American level of play, and and Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan make the plays they got to make as Carolina gives Oklahoma its first loss of the season. I agree with you. I think Carolina gets it done. The Montrose factor I think will be huge. This will be a team that will come out inspired because yeah you you've seen you've seen a fired up head coach on the Carolina sidelines the majority of the season especially in big games he was going to be fired up for this game to begin with now it's going to mean even more to him um you would expect that they will probably honor Montross in some way before the game so yeah this one's going to mean a lot to a lot of guys and you know you would expect hey you know, Armando Baycott talked about his love for this university. Would it shock you if that guy comes out and plays his most inspired game of the year? Wouldn't shock me at all. Um, you don't have to worry about the inspiration of R.J. Davis. I feel like he's going to be the same dude. I feel like down the stretch of the game, even if he doesn't get off to a fast start, R.J. Davis is going to hit big shots for Carolina. I think, you know, Cormac Ryan getting that 10-day period where he was able to rest – Get that ankle in good, in pretty good shape. I think it's helped him. I think he'll have another solid performance. But yeah, I think Harrison Ingram will step up to the challenge. I think it could, you know, you could see it on the offensive end, scoring wise, and I think you'll also see it on the glass. I just think this is going to be an inspired game from Carolina. You're going to have the crowd behind you. It's basically going to be a home game. So Oklahoma's walking in to a hostile environment. I think all of that stuff culminate in a Carolina win and I gotta be honest I feel like this game could be a lot like the Arkansas game I like Carolina to win it and I like them to win it by double digits no matter the result on Wednesday night we'll have you covered here on the Four Corners podcast as well as the website that's HeelToughBlog.com make sure you're checking that out for the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football news of course preview of the game recap of the game will be posted um, as we continue to take you through the basketball season Football getting ready for the bowl game. Some big transfer portal news. Some early commits arriving on campus. Anthony has you covered with all the news that's coming out of the Keenan Center. So make sure you're getting over to the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com for the latest football and basketball news and notes. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. 
every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. Or there we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We want to thank you guys for listening. We'll thank Anthony for hosting. And as always, go Tar Heels! <laughs>